0: Mouth of Time uh, podcast. Uh, there's no Liam Kennedy this week. Uh, he's on holiday, but what we do have a special guest we've got former Newcastle United striker Michael Chopra. Uh, good evening. Is it, you're in Jakarta, is it? What, what time is it over there?
1: Uh, it's almost seven, I think it is. Uh, well, just gone past seven. Uh, so, yeah. Good evening, Miles. Good afternoon.
0: <laughs> yeah. In the UK. yeah, yeah, good afternoon here. So, how, 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 are, how are you anyway?
1: Yeah, well, good, mate. Obviously, um, COVID's taken its its toll, but you've got to deal with it as much as you can and you've got to continue your life, do you know what I mean? You can't let such um, negativity um, as COVID is um, get you down and try and stop you in your tracks. You've got, to, you've got to get through it. It's another challenge for some people, do you know what I mean? So you've just got to try and do what you need to do to the best of your ability.
0: Obviously, Tyneside's been more or less locked down for, for for months now we're starting to come out of that but there has been one talking point uh, aside from 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 covid and you know um lockdown over the past few weeks or two or three months really and that's that's the takeover and I imagine you know, I I do know you you follow it closely from from Indonesia
1: Yeah I follow it closely and obviously um I've got a couple of people in in Saudi that are close with with um with the so-called new owners. I personally thought it would have been done by now. Um, Obviously, you've got a lot of people trying to sabotage the deal. And I think the the uh, hold-up with the Premier League has been their main concern, and rightly so, is to try and get the Premier League back up and running. It's taken them a lot of weeks and a lot of thought um, about how to do that. And realistically, the Newcastle United takeover is only a small... Matt and a small piece of the jigsaw puzzle to them. So they've got to put that to one side and concentrate on a much larger scale. Um, disappointing to us Newcastle fans as we wanted it sorted ASAP, but hopefully it'll be done um, pretty much soon. Um, the latest reports are coming out about the television rights in BN Sport and the Qataris. Um, people in Saudi have come out and said that they're going to try and come to an agreement with them which is which is good news um now let's hope that that is the the last hurdle that needs to to get over because look, they've had letters they've had people contacting the m p s the government it, it's ridiculous, it's nonsense, Do you know what i mean it's uh, Newcastle united people call them a small football club, and all of a sudden they're a, they're a big talking point in in such a powerful world, do you know what i mean it's it's huge, and hopefully it can all get resolved sooner rather than later for for the fans of Newcastle. Because, of course,
0: you foretold this last summer. Was was it last July when you you, you spoke about Saudi interest in the club?
1: Yeah, it was July last year I went on TalkSport. But looking back at my messages that I had with uh, Lee Charnley at Newcastle United, it goes back to October, I think it was, 2018. Um, when I first contacted them about um, a group from Saudi wanting to to purchase a Premier League club, not just Newcastle, a Premier League club, and I believe Newcastle United would have been a perfect fit. Um, spoke to Andrew Henderson at Dentons, who's Mike Ashley's lawyer, asked him for the mandate and the necessarily paperwork I needed to to go forward, and basically told me to f off. Um, <laughs> And, and told them the Saudis to jump on a plane and come to London and see them. Do you know what I mean? It's then I thought Newcastle United don't really want to sell the football club. Um, which is a coincidence why so many people have said that they want to buy the club and no takeovers happened. Um, and then a year later all the stuff comes out about um the royal royal prince of of Saudi wanting to to buy Newcastle and fair play to Amanda Stalvey and the Rubin brothers to to kind of put the deal together because I think without them two it would never have happened and like I said hopefully it can happen sooner rather than later
0: Representing the Sovereign Wealth Fund or was was this a different group?
1: Well we uh, I I was working in Amsterdam um, for an agency and my partner George Kazianis um, is is well connected with a couple of people in Saudi Arabia uh, one of them being Sami Al-Jabba Um, and we, I think we got in contact with them, and we spoke, and we we had to get the paperwork, and it it was only just after they tried to buy Man United, I think they tried to buy Man U for 3 billion, and it got rejected, so I spoke to George, and I said, listen, why don't we not try and get in contact with them, and try and get them to buy Newcastle, so he spoke to his people in in Saudi, and we got told that we needed the, the necessary paperwork to to try and get the deal moving but like I said before you try and deal with certain people um, and the, at first he wasn't returning the calls um, or text messages and then I, I eventually got in touch with him and told him who I was and ex-player and then he changed his tune a little bit um, I think he kind of thought I was just another one that was jumping on the bandwagon saying we want to we got someone to buy the club and stuff like that. Obviously, when I told him I was the next player, he kind of changed his tune, but he still wouldn't give me the, the necessary paperwork. But like I said, a, a year later, thankfully, things are starting to move in the right direction and hopefully the takeover will be done soon. What kind of sense
0: can you give us what you, you're hearing from your contacts about what this could mean for the club?
1: Well, I got, I got told a couple of weeks ago, I, w- I woke up to a message saying, Congratulations, the deal's done. Um, this was the report in Saudi Arabia, um, one of my, my close contacts whose um, father is a general um, in Saudi Arabia. They told me the deal's done, it's been on the news and everything. And I was like, well, there's none. no news in in the UK, it's still with the Premier League and stuff like that. So they, they obviously heard something. Um, I personally don't think that the Saudis would have uh, tried to buy the club if they didn't already contact the Premier League about what necessarily um, paperwork they had to put into the Premier League if they were going to get knocked back. There's no way they would have, would have tried to buy the football club. They would have done the research um, because knowing Saudis, knowing Arabs, and especially people in the Gulf, you they have a pride and they have an ego. And if that knocks their ego, then it's a big thing to them. So, And especially with Wanda Stelvey putting an £18 deposit that is non-refundable. They've done their homework um, to go ahead and do the deal. But look, it'll be massive for the football club. Um, I go back to '96 to early 2000 when Newcastle United were at their peak. They were challenging for the Premier League, finishing second, third in the league on a regular basis. They won the Champions League every week and it was a, a, a great Club to be around. It was, I'm sure, for you as well. It was a great uh, football club to to go and watch and, and to report on because you know that you're going to be on the edge of your seats. You know you're going to be writing stuff in the in the papers and whatever you were doing about Newcastle United attacking teams and and winning games. Now you you, look, you go to the games and I've been to games and I've sat next to people and looked about and I've I've seen fans falling asleep in in their chairs and. That's not Newcastle United, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying, look, we've got to go out and spend millions and billions on players. It'll take time, like what Man City done. But if it's done right and it's done correctly, Newcastle United will be a a major force in in world football, not just European football.
0: Yeah, because that's that's one of the things this we all think about this club. It, It should be competing for Europe. It should be in Europe. It's had one European campaign under ashley uh we all remember those european trips i remember seeing you you, know, yeah. you playing for those clubs on that, some of those, <laughs> those trips they, they they were fantastic for everyone and um, and i think it just comes down to ambition and, and and having the ambition to to push up the table rather than settle for the mid table or safety or seventh, you know 17th which is something i guess we've We've become accustomed, or we've had to become accustomed to over the past decade and and more. Well, I think, look,
1: as a businessman, Mike Ashley is a great businessman. As a football club owner, I think he's, I think he's, what he's done to Newcastle United is a disgrace. They've gone from challenging for the Premier League to fighting relegation, getting relegated to the championship. And that's, look, that's not Newcastle United. It's not good for the fans. And I was pleased last year when it was almost ten, ten to fifteen thousand people didn't turn up for the games. It, they've it's fair play to them. They stood up to to the regime and they put their they they put their actions into into force. And you've got to give them credit. But what what look? He, he just wanted to stay in the Premier League. You stay in the Premier League, you get what what is it? One hundred eighty million television money. He spends what eighty million on wages and forty million on players he comes out with 40-50 million in his back pocket you you see the profits they made over the last two years it's, it's unbelievable how much money the guys made out of a football club you don't see many football clubs making that amount of money um, and then what I think what makes it worse is that he was he was buying all these high retail that were basically going bust and trying to, to bring them back again and some of them haven't worked out and that was a lot of it was uh, people think think it was the money that should have been ploughed back into Newcastle United. So basically, he's using Newcastle United as a cash cow for all these other businesses. Why doesn't he not give the the fans, the team they deserve? And I'm not saying Newcastle United haven't got good players at this moment in time, but they've got players that shouldn't be at the club and aren't good enough to challenge further up the table. Um, And Basically, I think it, it's terrible and it's a disgrace what he what he's done to the football club and hopefully it's going to change soon. You hit the headlines I guess at the start of the season
0: in your comments regarding Steve Bruce who of course succeeded Rafa who'd done so well in his yeah. time at the club. Um, today ahead of the restart the club's 13th. How, how would you reflect on his time in charge up
1: to now? I think Bruce has done okay but he's been very lucky. Um, you look at some of the goals of have nicked in the last minute but um, you need looking football to win football matches um, and he managed to pull some results off Tottenham away Chelsea at home that you just wouldn't you wouldn't think or even dreamed about getting a result um, but I, I just thought that why didn't the club not stick with, with Rafa why didn't they not go for a bigger name than Bruce but Newcastle United have got a chance of staying in the Premier League, which which was the main thing, and I'll support the football
0: club. Look, looking ahead, the club's played a couple of games—one behind closed door, now one against Middlesbrough. What, what can you give us a player's perspective on the restart, and, uh, and how, would would you be comfortable getting back to playing if you were still at the club?
1: Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? They've got a, the players. It's off-season they had to look after themselves and this is when you'll see which teams um, which players have been very professional um, you'll see it in the first game who's been keeping themselves fit I know Jamie sterry has been doing a couple of hit sessions um, and a couple of first team players have joined in as well and fair uh, play to them he's, he's done well to get the lads to jump on board, it is a tough one because you look at the the, the first two home games they've got they're, they're teams that they should be beaten. And if they don't beat them two teams, then they're going to be in that dogfight again. And then it'll come down to down to players. How, how good are the players? Do you know what I mean? Because you don't have the fans behind you, backing you like what, what, what they used to have. And believe me, it makes a big difference when you've got 40,000, 50,000 Geordies singing songs and getting behind the team and you've got 5,000 Geordies away from home singing the heart out. It'll give the players a boost. They haven't got that now, so you've got to see which players are mentally tough and who who who've got the the fight in the locker. Um, and hopefully they can they can nick one or two wins. Um, obviously, the Premier League have done all the testing and rightly so. And some players have come out and have been made a scapegoat and stuff like that, which is fair play to them. They've got they've got a right. They've got a, an opinion. Um. But they're they contracted to a football club, and they've got to do their jobs for the football club now.
0: We saw one of the things the club's been doing over the over oh, join the join the suspension of football is showing old games. We saw the Sunderland derby four one a few weeks weeks ago. Yeah. Which, um I suppose I spoke to you at the time about that. Uh, do you, how do you reflect back now on your, your time at the club? I, I
1: I love my time at the club. Um, if I had it. in in my ways I would have loved to have been there for as long as possible but when Freddie Shepherd was the owner um, I personally didn't think he'd give me the contract that I deserved Um, and I knew that Alan Shiro was going to retire so they were definitely going to bring in a new number 9 that was going to put me further down the pecking order and I think the season leading up to when my contract was announced I think that was my best season for Newcastle. And, yeah, a lot of people will say I didn't fulfil my potential and I'm the first to admit that I didn't. I should have done a lot better at the football club. Um, I think I had a few setbacks that took a lot out of me and took the stuffing out of me. Um, The goal against Blackburn, which got disallowed. The penalty miss against Everton. I think that knocked my confidence playing for Newcastle United. And only when I left the club, people really started to see the real Michael Chopra when I started to play at Cardiff and, and 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 things like that and then obviously getting bought by Sunderland, and playing back in the Premier League it was a dream come true. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed playing for the football club, playing against Sunderland, scoring against Sunderland. Every kid's dream, growing up as a as a Newcastle fan, you wanna you wanna wear the black and white, you wanna play against your local rivals, and to top it off, I managed to score. And it was the dream come true.
0: In that time was when Sir Bobby was in charge, and you. You, you you were coached by me, you worked with him you saw you, you saw everything from the inside of the club. that must have been an, an incredible time for, for you and, and well, those around you
1: yeah it, it was it was a special time. Um, I came into the academy when Kenny Dagley was there, and he pretty much brought reserve team youth team football back um, because of what Kevin Keegan had done. And fair play to Kenny Dalglish. he used to come and watch the the youth team train, uh, sorry, he used to come and watch us play on a Saturday morning um, before going to watch the, well, going to manage the, the first team. And that was a, a man that was a legend for Liverpool and won so much as a player and a manager. And he didn't have to do that. He's not a Geordie, he didn't have to do that. But he, he, had, he cared about the youth players, he cared about bringing players through. And then obviously, further down the line, soonest, I, I had my fallouts with him. And Glenn Road had done a good job for Newcastle United. But Bobby wasn't one. He was the one that really brought that football club back together, uh, bringing Alan Shearer from the brink of, of nowhere to, to scoring five goals in, in the first game. It was magnificent, you know what I mean? And he was a breath of fresh air for the football club. Whatever he touched, it was like gold. It was unbelievable. How he uh, the knowledge of the game he had, um, what he what he learned at Barcelona his um, England manager, you could, you could see it why he was the best, and I ha- I was honoured and I was privileged that he was a, I was lucky enough to be to be coached and managed by him because he coached some top players and he always believed that I was going to be a top player and he would talk to me about Ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo and he would do this in training he would do that this. When he first come to the club from P.S.V., we, we got him to do that. It was brilliant. It was just a wonderful experience to, to listen to all these stories from him. Um, and I kind of thanked him enough for for giving him my debut in, against Everton. And it was, it was a dream come true. And he, he knew how much it meant to me as well.
0: What was your What was your favourite, or can, can you pick a favourite Bobby story from your time behind the scenes?
1: Um. Well. I think one of my favourites is, he, he always called me a young lad and I've got a lot of time in the game. And I was like, this was when I was 17, 18, I was desperate to play in the first team. I used to go knocking on his door and things like I used coming come in and have a cup of tea and, and stuff like that. And I used to gaffer, when am I get my chance and stuff. He used to keep telling me, oh, you're just a young boy, you're just a young boy, you'll get your time, you'll get your chance. But he used to say that to Jamie McLean, and I think Jeremy McLean was 23, 24, and I was thinking in my back of my head, God, if, if he keeps telling me this when I'm in a few more years' time, I'll be pulling my hairs up. But no, he was, he was brilliant around the, around the place. Do you know what I mean? Everyone respected the man, and he brought, he, you could see him when he walked in the room, the aura, and everyone went silent. Do you know what I mean? They're just everyone respected Sir Bobby Robson, and, and rightly so, for, for what he'd done in, in,
0: in the game of football you would hope that there's better times to come now and it if if and or when this this takeover is approved
1: yeah i believe um look if if that takeover doesn't go through the fans will boycott boycott the club um i'm leading to believe that they're the only football club in the division that hasn't refunded the money back to the fans for for season tickets because of covid they can't go and watch the games and but that tells you what type of guy that is um, and if, if that doesn't go through and he's still there next season I guarantee you'll get a lot more less fans than the 44,000 turning up well
0: great thanks, thanks for your time Michael and, cheers um, Miles hopefully hopefully yeah. we'll have, uh, have some news by this time next week um, thank yeah, you very much and, uh,
1: fingers crossed thanks a lot Miles